Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Star Trek Generations. I am your host, Jack Tracy, and I am flying solo this episode because uh, no one would touch this episode with a 10 foot pole. <laughs> oh boy. We are we are judging the worst episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, possibly all of Star Trek, due to its flagrant racism, whether advertent or inadvertent, we'll get into it. Um, Code of Honor. Yes, yes, you just have me today. So um, if you are on our Patreon, patreon.com slash The Observation Lounge, you are seeing the full video version of this podcast. You also got early releases of my little action figure videos. You got early releases of my YouTube commentary from The Observation Lounge. So thank you. Thank you for supporting. And uh, if you would like to join in on the fun, that's patreon.com slash The Observation Lounge. Of course, please feel free to subscribe to the YouTube page, um, which is at the link in any of the social bios. My socials on Twitter and Instagram are the, sorry, not the, let me say that again. My socials are OBS Lounge ST. So O-B-S-L-O-U-N-G-E, can I spell lounge? S-T. OBS Lounge ST for Star Trek. Yes, yeah, so you can uh, get all the links there. You can follow me there. You can see my memes. You can see me chit-chat and um, uh, preview all of the episodes that are upcoming. Right, that's housekeeping. So let's get into it. Let's let's talk about Code of Honor. So it's funny. So I looked this up on Memory Alpha. And the... <laughs> oh, always, thank you, Memory Alpha. You are a... a a bevy of information that I use at all times to do this podcast. I couldn't do it without you. Uh, so thank you. Um, the review, I'm sorry, the the summary of this episode is quite kind. A mission of mercy is jeopardized when a planetary ruler decides he wants an enterprise officer as his wife. If only that were it. So basically, if you haven't seen this episode in a while, and if you haven't, I commend you for avoiding it. Uh, you're doing the right thing. Uh, <laughs> basically, a planet of 1940s tropes of African culture um, has a vaccine that the Federation and Starfleet can't duplicate that is needed. So they go to go get it, and when the Enterprise goes to go get it, the leader notices that Tasha's a really good um, um, pro wrestler. I don't know. Jiu-Jitsu, I, Taekwondo? I don't know what she's doing. She's doing something on the holodeck, and he's like, ah, she's strong. So it, what I will do is I will kidnap her and force her to fight my wife in ritual combat and in doing so, if Yar kills my wife, I get all of her land and property. And I'm not going to give you the vaccine unless Yar agrees to fight. And they eventually figure out a way to, they're going to resuscitate the wife after Yar kills her. So she gets her land back, but now they're divorced and kidnapper loses everything. So. 
tribal African stereotypes steal a white woman um, and force her to fight. It's, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of Star Trek-y things in it, for sure. You've got um, codes of honor, just generally. I mean, we mostly see it with the Klingon Empire, which I, we, we didn't really, we haven't gotten to yet, right? Because the whole honor stuff really started in Next Generation, and it, we haven't gotten there yet. So this is really Star Trek's first, Next Generation's at least first foray into these, like, concepts of, like, honor and codes and all of that stuff, which will be done much better later with the, the Klingons. Um, so you've got that, you've got, you know, ritual combat. That's a thing that Star Trek always does. Um, kidnapping an officer for purposes, political purposes. That's a Star Trek. So there's, there's a lot of like, oh, these are very Star Trek things to do in here. Um, problem is it's an extremely racist portrayal of black people. Now it's interesting because the actress who played Yurina, the wife, was interviewed. I watched uh, some YouTube uh, interviews and commentaries uh, in prepping for this episode. And she actually thinks it was a great episode because it was the only time that you saw a planet that were entirely black people and a black queen and and you know i guess she's kind of she's kind of likening it to like star trek has a wakanda which in theory is great and a good thing and of course you know that would be good to see in star trek uh not done like this but i see her point for sure uh wish it was done a lot better um so so yeah the and the episode overall is is boring because you know yara's not gonna die and the whole and and the the, the characters are all very two-dimensional and i i'm gonna get to the to the troy troy's ca unique counseling experience in this uh i'm gonna get to that in a second but um it's just a, it's it's boring, it's racist, it's cringe. Nothing comes out of this episode of any import to the rest of the series. It's best forgotten. So before we dig into more behind the scenes and then my eventual zhuzhing, um, and of course our segment on what goes to the brig, what has the con, very little has the con, very little. Um, my first experience with this episode was probably in reruns. Because I came to Star Trek during probably anywhere between seasons three and five of Next Gen. That's what was airing when I found Star Trek. And I would go back and watch three runs and remember asking my mother, like, why are they in pajamas now? What's this weird uniform? Who's that blonde lady? What's up with Troy's hair? So that's how I experienced the first season. I don't think as a child, as a white child, I had any, it wasn't like hitting me as like, ooh, this is racist. It just, it was like, this This is a bad episode. I remember recording it because I used to record all the episodes off of TV onto VHS tapes uh, so that I had them because I wanted all of them. Ooh, touch the mic. Uh, so that I had all of them. 
So I remember recording it. I I don't think this one was like a. I don't think I rewatched this one very often, if at all. Um. So that's pretty much my experience with the episode. I, I am a pure when T, when it comes to TNG. I'm a when it comes to the rewatches. I'm a purist. Like I will start with episode one. I will get all the way through the first two seasons, and then I'll get to the good. I won't skip an episode. Other series, I'll skip bad ones. I'll skip bad ones of D Space Nine that have nothing to do with you know the overall story arcs and don't add anything. Uh, Meridian. Um, move along home, things of that nature. Star Trek, I will watch it. So I have seen this episode a handful of times based on the rewatches I've done over the years. But cringe. So let's talk about what uh, people thought of it who were involved. Um, Tracy Torme, who wrote um, The Next Generation Companion, that episode was offensive. It was like Amos and Andy in the way African-Americans were depicted. Um, We also saw Brent Spiner calling it inadvertently racist. We've got LeVar Burton saying it's the worst episode we ever did. We've got Worf saying it's the... I'm sorry, uh, Michael Dorn saying it's the worst episode we ever did. We've got... Will Wheaton saying if the cast wasn't arbitrarily decided to be African-American... the idea of the episode being racist or non-racist wouldn't have been an issue. Pin in that. Um, Jonathan Frakes, it's a racist piece of shit. Everyone. I have yet to find a person who likes this episode, either involved in the episode or not. Apparently the director walked off set. We don't know the reason. We assume it has to do with how the episode was panning out. And also apparently they attribute the casting of the entire planet uh, as African-Americans, as Black people, um, um, to a casting miscommunication that two characters were specifically listed as African-American and the rest were not, but the casting director cast all of them, that it was not intended. However, the fact that the two security guards, it, it, it was the two security guards were specifically African-American. Why? These two, these two guards can be black people, but the rest of them can't. And it was a tribal culture. So like, it's, that's still not great. Even if that would have been done. Also, apparently the original version of the script, it was a samurai culture full of Asian people. How's that better? (laughs) How's that better? I think this thing was conceptualized from a racist lens from the very beginning. And no matter how it panned out, it was always going to be a racist episode. Um, so there's a lot to judge. Now, back in season one of this podcast, uh, my co-host Sean Farrick of Trek Culture and I discussed doing this episode and we pretty much decided the only thing to do with this episode is to burn it. But that would make a very short podcast episode. So I am going to attempt to judge it. But first, we need to talk about um, if there's anything salvageable from this, uh, anything that can have the con versus things that are sent to the brig. So starting with the brig, I, I, the 
racism of the episode overshadows the incredibly cringy, sexist part of the episode. So I, I have pulled up the transcript, the script of, of Code of Honor to give you this little section when Tasha goes to visit, well, sorry, when Troy and Picard go to visit Tasha in, you know, holding. Um, Picard asks Tasha, do you have any idea, Lieutenant, that Luton was suddenly going to announce that he wanted you for his first one? Tasha, no, sir. Picard, tell me what you know about this. Tasha, nothing, sir. Deanna fucking Troy says, but it was a thrill. Luton is such, such a basic male image and having him say he wants you. And Tasha's like, oh yeah, of course. It made me feel good when he, <gasps> Troy, I'm your friend and you tricked me. You tricked me into telling you that, oh, when he kidnapped me, I actually got a little bit of a tingle. Oh, it felt so good. Maybe, maybe I want to be his because he's such a strong man. Ew. Troy, only so you'd think about it completely and clearly. Picard, we're all being manipulated. Like, are they trying to do like a Stockholm Syndrome thing? I feel like that occurs over time of like being a hostage. You start to like relate to your captor. This idea that Tasha Yar, who grew up on Turconophore? Check me, nerds. I think that's it. Um, on a planet, a failed colony where there were, as season one loves to say, rape gangs, rape gang, take a shot every time someone says rape gang in season one. Um, and that she would get a thrill from being abducted by a man and forced to be his wife. Gross. And I've talked about this with Stanley on, on the prior podcast, but I feel like Gene Roddenberry specifically, I feel like it's got to be Gene, but Gene Roddenberry's view of Tasha as this sort of like, she escaped the rape gangs, she's sort of a tough cookie female tactical officer, security officer. I feel like it's this weird kind of like, she's a tough girl with daddy issues and she just needs a strong man to to tame her and challenge her and and she'll she'll it feels like a weird power dynamic sex thing that is very gross straight man like it feels gross and this is one of those episodes where i feel like tasha's being portrayed that way i i yuck and the fact that Troy would do this is yuck. Like, I am sure there is an intelligent conversation to have about this, about sort of the, the emotional response or the sexual response versus, you know, there's, there, sure, there's a discussion to be had here about like, you know, I, I, I'm thinking of things like how, you know, people have, I'm going to say ravishment fantasies. We don't say rape fantasies because typically the person doesn't actually want to be hurt. It's they want to be, you know, coerced or overwhelmed or, or, you know, that's like the play. And it's like that, that dichotomy between things that, that make for a 
fantasy, but you would never actually want like to actually happen to you. Sure, that might be something worth exploring, especially in season one, where my god was TNG horny and and creepy and kinky and weird and fetishy. Um, but that's not what happened here. <laughs> so the racism of the episode kind of also makes you forget that it's also a horrible episode for female characters. Just she she wanted it. I don't. Gross, 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 gross. So that gets the brig. Send Troy to the brig. Ew. She should have lost her counseling license. This is no, 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 no. Um, Having the con, I, I just got to give it to Denise Crosby, who was given such crap to do. And you know what? She gave it her all. She did the best she could with what she had. So I just, I'll, I'll give Tasha the con because she was able to, to do it and get through it and do what she could with it. Um, also, who has the con? Michael Dorn for not being in this episode. <laughs> Which, it's funny, knowing that, that the Klingons would become the race where we actually explore Codes of Honor that he's the one who's not in Code of Honor. It's just, it's weird. Or it's it's interesting. Um, I actually liked the actress who played Yurina. I thought she did a, like, she did a good job with what she had. So I would give her the con just as an actress. See, everything I'm going to give the con is like, actors or actresses who are like, you know, you did the best you could. <laughs> None, I can't think of a single thing that happens in this story. Even the Jordy shaving and Data trying to tell a joke, like it's not quite the finger trap, but it's close. Oh, that's the next. Oh, I recorded these out of order. The finger trap, you're going to hear that next week with Stanley. Um, it's not quite the cringe of the finger trap, but it's still nothing interesting. Not, nothing, nothing of interest or import happens in this episode you can literally just throw it out but we're not going to do that because that makes for a boring contest 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 i'm competing this is zhuzh is now a competition it's a competition show where you submit your zhuzh script oh i haven't had enough coffee um there is nothing there's nothing really to salvage here so all right i'm i'm stalling because there's really nothing to talk about other than this is a terrible episode um so let's just get to the judge. So how do we fix Code of Honor other than just throwing it in the trash? So there are Star Trek concepts here, as I noted before, that have worked in the past or from this episode standpoint will work in the future. We want to keep it a Tasha episode since Tasha had so very little to do. Um, we want to keep it showing her sort of physical prowess and skill as a fighter. I think that's a good thing to stay. And we can do some sort of um, something with, you know, ritual and custom and, and codes of honor and, and all of that stuff. So first off, we're not going to portray the culture as a stereotype of any 
human race. <laughs> None. Not a bunch of Asian samurais, not a bunch of tribal Africans, not if, if hey, if we want all of the leaders of this to be cast with Black actors, great. Awesome. But uh, no. Also, I want to say this carefully because I don't want this to come off the wrong way. In addition to portraying the Ligonians as like a 1940s tribal Africa, they also portray them as quite, um, quite, like they don't come off as like this advanced culture that has developed a vaccine that Starfleet can't. Not to say that, you know, you have to, to be technologically advanced, you've got to like show it, you know, all over the place, but you they didn't strike me. They they were they were portrayed as like a culture that's like pre-warp. That would be like a prime directive episode. They weren't portrayed as like sort of like, oh, we're a sophisticated society that's outside of the Federation, but we have, you know, this this trade deal or this, you know, we're gonna provide the vaccine, yada, yada, yada. They just weren't portrayed in a way that made me think like, oh yeah, they have something that Dr. Crusher can't can't figure out and Starfleet can't figure out they've got this advanced they're an advanced medical society you know they just didn't strike me as that with the way they were portrayed right if they had done this like Wakanda I absolutely believed it because that's what Wakanda is a great example what Marvel has done with that is you take an Afrocentric an African-based culture that evolves and incorporates, you know, advancements like, you know, Wakanda is is extremely an extremely advanced society, more technologically advanced than probably the rest of the other nations in the Marvel universe, but still has its roots in African culture. And you believe it. It's believable. Oh, this is just if 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 a civilization that started in this part of the world became the most technically advanced, you know, civilization over time, this is the natural progression of that. That makes sense. Ligonians didn't feel that way. So it, it of course, can be done. You can have an extremely superior African culture, uh, society, actually, that culture, the culture is not, it's the society based out of African culture is what I'm trying to say. You can absolutely have that. It's just they don't do that here. It feels primitive. It's portrayed as primitive. So anyway, so we just get rid of all of that. Here's here's how I think it goes. And this is a bit, I guess it kind of borrows a bit from that Seven of Nine Rock episode. Yi Tsun Tsunkatsi. I don't kind of. Okay. So Yar and Worf are competing so we saw this i think at the beginning of skin of evil or one one zero zero one zero zero one uh yar and Worf are going to some parisi squares tournament or some sort of tournament so i want them at that tournament right they're competing they're sure leave they decided to enter this competition uh and they're i don't know fighting monsters or or Playing a something, something that that is combat based, and Yar wins the whole shebang, impressing Worf, and they can have like bonding moments of Yar and Worf. And in the audience of this, 
is an ousted ruler, Luton, of a um, of a nearby solar system. Um, he used to be the leader, um, and in their culture. Um, it, it's almost, it's not quite a matriarchy, but it's the women, similar to how they do the Mintakins in, um, how they, how Troy talks about the Mintakins in season three, how like the woman leads and she's the one that has to be bartered with for the services of the male. Like it's sort of that kind of thing that the women handle sort of the, the, the domestic transactions, whatever. And so, so what I'm, what I want to say is that he was married to a woman who had power, wealth, and property. And in their code of honor system on the planet, she was challenged by another woman, right? And they fought and she lost. And she, and lost, I mean, was killed in ritual combat. So that woman took over well, she'll be Irina. She took all of Luton and his former wife's stuff, and now she's the most powerful person on their planet and runs the planet and yada yada. And he went into exile. Um, so he's watching this competition just because he's just hanging out, and he sees Yar and gets an idea. She's extremely skilled, and if he can abduct her quickly, you know marry her under Lagodian law and then have her re-challenge to sort of gain to not only now get his property back but then get all of hers right so he's using Yar to to reclaim his status and then his whole plan is then after it's done he's going to kill Yar um and be supreme ruler so he's our evil guy right now, instead of this whole vaccine thing, you need, so the vaccine serves the purpose in the story of why Yar just doesn't say, screw it, I'm not doing this. Or valiantly says, fine, you know, I will let her kill me um, rather than, than kill this woman. I will not kill this woman. I will not fight this woman. If, if there's no other choice, if you're going to put me in the ring with her, I'll stand there and she'll, she'll kill me. And that's, that, that's. Starfleet officer, that's just how it has to go. The vaccine, getting the vaccine is what keeps that from happening. She has to fight in order to get the vaccine. So instead of the vaccine, I want Luton to have a son, a young son, a young, sweet, innocent son whose mommy was killed a couple years ago. And Yara kind of, when Yara is eventually captured, and they're immediately put into a forced marriage and she's, you know, there, she kind of bonds with the son and she's maybe at the, at the beginning when she learns what she's been kidnapped to do, she's just like, I'm not going to do it. I'm just not going to put me in the ring. I'll just sit there and then it's all over. I'm not helping you. And it's revealed that under the code of honor, this re-challenge, if they lose, if they lose, the challenging family is executed, including the son. So where maybe she wouldn't, I mean, she'd care, but she wouldn't care so much about her abductor getting what he deserves, the son. 
and she can have a lot we can have lots of commentary from yar about like these ridiculous honor codes and and it's so stupid and and um right and then he can talk about you know how dare you judge our culture and you know great great star trek conversations from that but that that sort of forces yar to participate because now she does not want to see this child if she does not participate and if she does not win the kid's going to be executed because it's that's what happens on a re-challenge the family is then wiped out okay so that gives us our stakes that forces yar to participate um so what's the enterprise doing after yar is abducted they you know do the warp trail and figure out well they figure out the ship that took her and where she went and yada 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 um and they they go to the planet where they think she has been taken to and when they get there they talk to the leader who is urena and that's where they urena learns through them and their intelligence that oh it's the guy whose family she you know she acquired he and she realizes what he must be doing he's going to challenge her to to get land back and it's only a matter of time and i'd like wharf to be on that away mission so that they can have talks about these codes of honor and wharf can be very like reverential towards all of this where you know picard or well picard's probably going to be middle ground uh where maybe troy or riker think that it's quite you know ridiculous and barbaric and whatever but wharf's like look this feels very klingon to me um and where everyone else is like we've got to get yar out of this wharf is like i think yar should fight and win and she will i believe in her she will she will win and this woman if she accepts the challenge she you know she lives this life she is bound by this code of honor and she makes her own choices so whatevs so that can make an interesting sort of cultural conversation among the enterprise crew so obviously picard's not uh you know happy with that as a resolution and, and in talking with urena what i'd like to learn is that urena herself possibly is exhausted by all of this and the only reason she challenged the family is because it was sort of the natural progression of like her family on the rise it was either that or eventually be challenged by them in the future and have their lands you know taken and their property taken and so it's all just this political game that she and her whole society is caught up in and quite frankly if she had a choice she wouldn't do it either she wasn't happy to and she's regretful about you know killing that woman but it was that or be killed in the future um but she we can have her talk wistfully if she would love nothing more than be able to just escape but it would have she can't and you know maybe troy or somebody's like well why don't you just leave you know you can have exile upon the enterprise you and your asylum you and your husband can come it's like well that impacts everything then my family lands are taken and and you know the other members of my family will will be punished and yada yada the you know i have to be who i am and i have to live this role and it's only my death that would you know that releases me from this and my husband and i would love nothing more than to than to go live our lives in peace right pin in that for what how this concludes so they're figuring something out and dr crusher you know examines the weapons that are going to be used we can still have the poison stuff all of that and she decides what they decide what they're going to do 
is um when they eventually see yar when yar um comes into the tournament they're gonna let yar know put on a good show but lose because we have treated Yorina's weapon with something that will paralyze you and give you give the appearance of death, but it's not their poison. We removed their poison from their weapons and we put something else. So to them, it'll look like she killed you. She will keep her property. We will claim the body. We bring your body back. We resuscitate you. None the wiser. Easy peasy. They're all very proud of themselves for figuring this out. So that's exactly what they do. They treat the weapon. They don't tell you, they don't tell anybody. They don't tell Yurina. They don't tell, just we're going to, that satisfies that satisfies them. It doesn't upset the status quo because Yurina will keep her lands. Lutan will lose. Um, because she doesn't forfeit, Lutan and the Sun will be killed. That's only if she forfeits. So it just, it keeps the status quo. It makes it look like Yar dies and then they can take the body back. And the switch is when the tournament starts and they tell Yar this, I'm going to think like Luton, either Luton finds out or just some, you know, just for some reason, they either during the fight or before the fight, basically the weapons switch. The weapon that Yar was supposed to use versus the weapon Yurina is supposed to use end up in the opposite hands. And now Yar can't lose because she'll die. Right? So now the stakes are suddenly super high. And Yar actually has to win. And she knows that she won't kill Yurina because the weapon she's using is going to paralyze her. But there's no, but if she loses, she's dead. So she has to win which pisses her off because that means Luton wins. Um, but, you know, she has no other choice. So she fights. It's tense because we know who has the who has the poison. Yar wins. Luton wins. He gets property back, yada, yada, yada. And um, the Enterprise takes Yar and steals Yurina's body. Yurina wakes up in sickbay and her husband is there. And to them, to society, you know, she has died. He has left the planet in exile. And what they actually get is to leave the code of honor behind and start their own lives the way that they want to live them. And maybe Yar can have a conversation with her about that, about how, you know, she found a life in the Federation after she left the colony that she didn't want to be part of um, and made a better life for herself and yada, yada. And that is Jack Tracy's Code of Honor. So we get a switcheroo that heightens the stakes. We get, you know, similar plot beats, we get uh, Yar fighting. We get um, a nice Star Trek conversation about rituals and cultures and honor. We get a Star Trek conversation about, like, you know, leaving society behind in order to craft your own life. 
out in the broader universe and live life as you want. That is my judge to Code of Honor. How would you have saved Code of Honor from its awful, racist, misogynistic um, mess that it became? Let me know. Let me know in the comments to this video. Let me know in the comments to the podcast. Let me know on socials. Of course, you can find me, um, Obs Lounge ST, on Instagram and Twitter. You can find the YouTube videos at the Observation Lounge on YouTube. You can join the Patreon and help support me and support this channel at patreon.com slash the Observation Lounge. And of course, please, if you're listening to this, make sure you're subscribed and drop me a five-star review. Leave me a comment. It helps service the podcast to other people so I can grow. Uh, thank you for joining me uh, for this week's episode of Star Trek Zhuzurations. And I will be back at you next week. Stanley is back and we are getting into the Ferengi. But until then, get the hell off my bridge. <laughs>